Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here tonight, God. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to study your word, Lord. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me to Luke, the 11th chapter. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you. But Luke chapter 11. We've been reading this scripture for a couple of weeks now. The title of our Bible study is The Dark Side. Verse 14 says, Luke 11, 14 says, And he was casting out the devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass that when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them says he cast out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils, and others tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than him shall come upon him and overcome him, he takes from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divides the spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none, he says, I will return into my house from whence I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and takes to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and, and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So in these scriptures, we see two kingdoms. We see the kingdom of God, which we've talked about now for four weeks. The kingdom of God is all-encompassing. It's everything. It's the universe. It's, it's everything. Belongs to God. It's eternal in nature. Has God at its ruler and unlimited in scope. We also see in here some attributes of something called the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of Satan. And we talked about, about the fall of Satan. We talked about that whenever he fell... By, through Adam, he was given the kingdoms of the world, the animal kingdom, the human kingdom, the plant kingdom, and, and he now works to rule, those, to rule those kingdoms and to be worshipped. And so last week we talked about, um, on page two there of your sheet, we talked about, first of all, the kingdom of Satan. And I'm just going to quickly go through these till we get down to the bottom two. But the first thing is Satan's kingdom is not divided. His sole focused purpose is to overthrow the kingdom of God on earth and to be worshipped as God. And we wrote down some attributes of, this, of how the Satan's kingdom works. Number one, in Satan's kingdom, his method is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Number two, we talked about that he is the prince of the power of the air. Number three, he can transform himself into an angel of light. Do you all know what that means? To transform himself into an angel of light. He, he, can, he, can, he can bring confusion to, well, we'll just, we'll just use the, the Mormon religion began because a man named Brigham Young, or Joseph Smith had a vision with an angel. The angel's name was Mor Moroni. And from that, vision that he had with an angel 
there was produced golden plates and the whole Mormonism religion began with an angel of light. And so you can be, that angel of light's not necessarily a vision, but sometimes the angel of light can be some illumination that you think you see in the word of God that's unique, that nobody else knows. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that no scriptures of private interpretation, no prophecy, but holy men of God were moved. So, you know, an angel of light sometimes may cause people to think that they have a special vision of God that nobody else seems to understand. And they can cause confusion in the congregation by, by promoting some of this. And, and an angel of light comes to seemingly illuminate you on some godly thing, but when you get down to it, it just causes confusion because it's not godly at all. It's, it's about 75% truth and 25% lie. So an angel of light. Um, he works with carnal lust within us to gain control of the, si of the soul. I, I like, I've chuckled several times this week over what you said last week about when the devil... When, when the devil works with us, against us, he just needs a really small toolbox. And you said that before we got saved, all he needed in the toolbox was a campfire, a campfire, a tan bar, and a bottle of beer. That's all he needed. And he kept us, he kept us going there for years and years. And then when we get saved, he just closes that little toolbox and opens another little toolbox. It's just got two or three things in it. He doesn't need a lot because we fall for the same thing year after year after year. Yes, it is. Number E, he is a liar. There's no truth in him. He's a murderer without remorse. Number F, he seeks to destroy those weak in the faith. We talked about that the devil goes about as a roaring lion. Um, he cannot touch the ones that are kept by the power of God, but he eagerly looks for any lost sheep that may have wandered from the fold. He wars in the craving of his heart for prey. Number G, he works to stop the hearing of the word of the Lord. And we talked last week about Acts 16, 16 through 18, where this priestess of the temple of Apollo, um, do y'all remember this? We need to go back and touch on this. Oh, you can remember it? Okay. Man, y'all are good. Wow. So they had the, this temple of Apollo. These priests and priestess were um, guided by what they call a spirit of Python, a divination, Python being one of the names of Apollo. And they went into trances and shook and screamed and squealed. And, and this particular lady uh, was a priestess of the temple of Apollo or the temple of Python. And whenever she went in, whenever, G, whenever Paul and, um, who, where are we here? We're in Philippi. Paul and Silas showed up. She began to squeal and go into a trance and begin to say, these men are the mighty men of God and they bring us the way of salvation but she was a priestess of Apollo, so it, it made it look like that they were, that the mighty God that they were prophets of was Apollo and not God. And after several days, Paul cast that spirit out of that lady and caused, and caused quite a stir there. Okay, so let's go down to H. We're going to go to H now. The devil works to sow discord in the church. Matthew, let's go to Matthew 13. Do you remember what that chapter's called? Come on, sounds smart. What's it called? The parable chapter. There you go. Oh, you're talking about the parable chapter. Yes, I am. 
Tell them what they've won. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13. Let's look at verses 24 and 25. Another parable put Jesus forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slipped, his enemies came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, there appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, did you not sow good seed? And whence then has these tares? And he says, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Will you go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. If you go over to verse uh, 37, verse 37, are you over there now? Okay, he answered and said unto them, He that sows good seed is the son of man, the field is the word, the good seed are the children of the kingdom of God, or of, the, of heaven, and the tares are the children of the wicked one, and the enemy that sowed them is the devil. Satan has never sowed discord in a church unless he was wearing somebody's skirt or somebody's pants. He doesn't come in here and sit on the pew and sow discord. He uses people. He uses people. And there's never been a church that's been split that hadn't been split by somebody. So that's how the devil works. He finds somebody who's got a little discord, somebody's got a little somebody that thinks they've received a great revelation and they try to force that revelation into the church because they saw it from an angel of light and they get in there, they start sowing discord and next thing you know, you got tares, people that believe them and you got wheat, people that still believe what, what the Lord says and they're trying to function in the same church. Where did those tares come from? They came from the devil. He constantly tries to sow discord in the church. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs is in the Old Testament. Right after Psalms is Proverbs. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And let's look at verses 16 through 19. If you ever memorize a scripture, if you ever memorize scripture, you should remember and memorize these three verses. These are some of the most important verses in your Bible for you to memorize. Because this says there are six things that the Lord hates and the seventh is an abomination to him. Number one, a proud look. The first step in backsliding is pride. Pride is the thing that got the devil kicked out of heaven. And the first thing that will cause you to start sowing discord and being a problem is pride. The Bible says if any man will be great in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, he will be servant of all. And whenever we start to think that it's about us, when we start to think that it's about us 
being happy, that it's about us and our family getting some kind of privilege that no one else, when we start thinking that and start trying to, to embrace that, then we're looking at this thing through my eyes and not through God's eyes. And whenever I start looking through my own eyes, then I become humanistic. You know what humanistic means? It means that you start to believe that the church was made so that you can be happy. And the lights are too bright and the, and the music's too loud and, the, and the, there's cobwebs in the thing and there's, somebody needs to run the vacuum cleaner and blah, 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 blah. You know? And there may be times when the lights are too, and there may be times when the sound's too loud. And if you think it is and, we, and you want it turned down and you talk to us about it and we turn it down, that's, that's good. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has preferences. But if that's going to be the most important thing that you see, when you come here, I can't worship because they won't turn that sound down. Well, wear earplugs. Figure out a way to make it work. Figure out, we, we turned the lights off. I mean, we, we, we've been doing that for quite a few years now. Everywhere you go now, you, you turn the, they turn the lights off. It's, this isn't something we made. This is just something that we felt like that, the, that we wanted to do. We keep them on up here, but we do, do turn them on out back there, turn them off. And, and if that bothers you, then come up here and stand in the light. You know, if the light bothers you, then go back there and sit in the dark. I mean, you know, figure out how to get happy. Don't figure out how to cause problems. Praise God you don't. But there are a lot of churches that's not as blessed as this church. A lot of churches that I, 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 I've, uh, I've encountered a, a few very disgruntled people because of these types of things or the air conditioner's not right. Well, find you someplace cooler or get a blanket and wrap up. I mean, we're, put a fan on the back of the pew with a battery in it and blow it on yourself. I don't care. Just figure out how to be happy and don't get proud and start to think that the church is all about you being cool enough. That's not what, I mean, I want you to be cool enough. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I want you to be happy. I want to accommodate you. I want it to be good for you. But if that starts being the very thing that you're proud of, you'll find pride rising up in you pretty quick. It doesn't take long. Or if we have to have a special, well, okay, go on, Scott. I feel like I'm meddling now. That proud look, that proud look will next cause a lying tongue. The next thing you know, you'll be just like Eve and you'll be saying things that make God seem more stern than what he is. You'll be saying things that, that makes the situation look your favorably, look, make you look favorable. You know, any story, any, any conflict that's, that's wherever it is, if it's in a home, if it's in a church, if it's in a community, if it's in a country, any conflict there is, always has two sides. It has my side that's the right side and it has your side that you're lying about. And that finger goes the other way too. If you're telling the story, then I'm the one that's lying, right? And the truth is always in the middle because that lying tongue can't help but try to get everybody on your side because, you know, the one who has the most on their side, they win. The next thing that comes along with that lying tongue is hands that shed innocent blood. Now, does that mean that people in the church murder each other? What is he talking about? Hands that shed innocent blood. 
gossiping, tearing down people's character. Going out there and people say, man, I'm thinking about visiting Oak Grove. Well, well okay, yeah, well, better be prepared. They don't turn the air conditioner down in there and it's, it's burning up. Got that music so loud, that bass is thumping my head. I can't even, oh, you go there? Oh, yeah, I, I go there. It's, it's a good church. It's a good church. But, you know, man, I just, those people there, I just don't know. What would you just do? You just, you just slaughtered this church. You just, you just murdered this place. You didn't mean to, but that pride and that lying tongue, next thing you know, you're shedding innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift and run into mischief. Everybody loves a good story. A false witness that speaks lies and the culmination of all of these things happen whenever you become the one that sows discord among the brethren. This is how the devil works. He works to put a tear in here. And then that tear, you, you know, I've, I've got an article in there about wheat and Tares are a real thing. They call it a chess. In the, if you go up in the wheat country, they call it chess. And the wheat grows tall and straight. The chess looks just like it until it gets to full height and then it bows its head over. If, if, you eat, if the birds or the animals eat the chess, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it makes them go to sleep. It makes them lazy. It, it causes them to, to go into almost a, like a trance. This, the article that I've got tells about that. And it's the same thing in the church. You know, when, you, when, when you're in the church and, and you, you start being with pride and the devil comes in and, and gets somebody, you know, sowing discord among the brethren, then the next thing you know, you, you, can't, you can't move forward. It, it's, 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 it's a trick that the devil uses to sow discord among the church and to cause problems to stop the church from being effective. Jesus tells us that if, if I've got a problem with you, or if you have a problem, no, if I have a problem with you, if you've done something to me and I'm offended, Jesus says when I come down here to the altar that I should leave my gift down here and go get with you. Not get with somebody else to talk about it, but get with you. And let's settle it between us, like men, like women, like, like grown-ups. And then if we can't settle it between ourselves, then we need to take a third party with us, not somebody that's on my side, but somebody that can be independent to where while we're talking, they can help us sort out our feelings. And then if that doesn't work either, then we should come before the church. Then that doesn't mean come up here and stand in front of everybody and talk. It means like a, the board or a governing body, and let's talk about it. But the thing about it is, is we need to get it settled. We don't want it to fester. And, and, and when there's, you know, if there's 150 people here, there's 300 opinions. So there may be some of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a different opinion. There's nothing wrong with, with any of that. That makes it better. If we, all, if we all have input, then we come out with a better product. Nothing wrong with that. But the problem comes, and I've already told you all this story, but whenever we pick the colors for those, those uh, letters out there on that sign, we had three options, red, blue, and black. And I put a thing up here in the front, and I had those three colors, and people came and looked at them, and they voted. I personally like blue. You personally like black. I started to make them blue anyway. 
because I liked it. But when black was cho chosen, then black's the color. I don't go out there and start causing problems saying, well, I really want him blue. They don't ever listen to me. I don't ever get my way. I don't know why I come to this church. Am I exaggerating? I mean, so uh, let's, let's, let's go to 3 John. You may, have never, you may not know where 3 John even is. It's after 2 John. It's right before Revelation. So let's go to the very back of your Bible. And let's go to 3 John, and I'm spending too much time on this. 3 John, great book, 14 verses. Are you there? Right before Jude. Hey, Jude, there you are. So this is John. He's writing to his beloved Gaius, who is the pastor of this church he's writing to. And he says... I have no great, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithful whatsoever thou doest to brethren and to the strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. So these are, he's talking about some missionaries that have left this church and have gone and began to minister to the Gentiles, and they're, they're doing it without pay. We are therefore ought to receive such that they might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have what? The preeminence among them, receive them not. Wherefore, if I will come, I will remember his deeds, which he does. Here's what he does. Pratting against us with malicious words and not content therewith, Neither does he himself receive the brethren and forbids them that would and cast them out of the church. There you go. It's not new. It's the little toolbox that has worked for 2,000 years and continues to work. Diophtrides. This is a, either a deacon or a church leader. Somebody that decides it's his responsibility to decide who gets the missions offering and who doesn't. Somehow he's, he's assumed that position. So that's part of Satan's kingdom is to sow discords in the church. Last thing, huh? Yeah. Sure. And something else you'll find if we study scripture is that if a church continues to press forward, if we are moving forward and somebody starts to try to sow discord and we refuse to be a part of it, you will find that God deals with that. I, God deals with that. 
I know, I know John said he was going to talk to this guy, and maybe that's the way God chose to do that. But I can tell you that 16 years, where's Kathy? Six, there you are. How many? 16? I always get this wrong. Years have been here. 16. So the 16 years that we've been here, I can tell you that I can name you several occasions where God has taken care of situations. He's taken care of the issue. He's done it. And he will. If we'll maintain unity among ourselves, God will deal with that. There's another place in your Bible where some disunity tried to come in. And you should always remember this example. This is a great example. Because there was a place in the book of Acts about chapter 5 where some disunities tried to come in. And Peter said this, Ananias, why have you decided in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and the Bible says that he fell down and gave up the ghost. <laughs> so be aware. <laughs> Unless you want to be giving up some ghosts. <laughs> okay, let's go to this last one. I think we've talked about that one to death. The last one is, the devil can oppress man, which is a power to exercise for harm, means to exercise dominion over him or to enslave him, and he can possess a man, inhabit the spirit of man if he is allowed. Uh, John 13, this is a story we talked about Sunday morning, but if you go to John 13, if you allow the devil... Just like the Holy Spirit can come upon a man, the spirit of the devil can come upon a man if you put yourself in that position. And he can oppress you. Oppression is not possession, but oppression is a weightiness on the mind. Um, if you're one that's prone to go into depression, and you just let that, and I know depression's a real thing. Don't take me wrong. I mean, I've, I've, I've had to endure depression a few times myself. I know it's a real thing. I understand you don't just snap out of it. I always thought you could until I had to get it. Then I found out you can't. But you don't water in it either. You don't, you don't sit in a dark room and wait to die either. You've got you to get up. You've got you to fight against that spirit of oppression, that spirit of depression, that spirit of anxiety, that spirit of, of, of that, that type of thing that comes over us, that oppresses us. You've got to press through that. You've got to fight against it because if, if you allow the enemy to oppress your mind, to oppress your spirit, if you allow the enemy to put thoughts in your head and you just let them run free and run wild, you've got to, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. So when the devil tries to oppress your mind, fight back. Don't let him oppress you. Don't let him put thoughts in your mind. Don't, don't sit there and dwell on those things, but recognize them. That's not of God. That's not of God. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to waller in that pity. I'm not going to do that. Because the enemy will try to oppress your mind. He will try to oppress your health. And if you allow him, he can do that. Even if you're a Christian, if you allow it, but God has made it to where you don't have to allow it. And, you, and he tries to oppress us. He tries to 
keep us in a bad mood. Oppression. It, 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 do I need to go further now? Do you, everybody kind of understand that? There's a difference between oppression and possession. Oppression is outside the spirit. But as we're fixing to read in John 13, 26 and 27, it says, And Jesus answered to whom I give a sop when I have dipped it. And he dipped the sop and gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, and after the sop, Satan entered into him. You can, uh, now a Christian cannot be demon possessed. If the devil gets past the blood of Jesus Christ, then he would be a saved devil. A Christian cannot be demon possessed. Are you listening? A Christian cannot be demon possessed because the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any work of the devil. So I've heard people say, well, you know, a Christian can be demon possessed, and it's just not true. They cannot. But like Judas, you can be in church and you can allow yourself to get in such a state where you can allow the devil to possess you. He allowed this because he wouldn't deal. He was acting on wickedness instead of acting upon truth. And he got himself in a position where he was allowed himself to be possessed by the devil. The devil entered into him. That means he wasn't just in his mind, but he got in his spirit. And once he got in his spirit, then he did the devil's bidding. And the devil, the devil always desires to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what we see with Judas. Once the devil was done with him, what did Judas do? He hung himself, committed suicide. So, oppression and possession are two things that the devil also uses that are within his, his capability in his kingdom. But God has given us weapons to be able to fight against those things. I, I'm, I'm going to make a statement here, and, and, and you, you may not agree with me, and that's, that's fine. I, I mean, I, I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not a doctor, so... You're welcome to disagree with me. This is just my opinion. And in my opinion, I think, based upon my life and, and some things that I've seen, I think that probably half of the people who are in uh, mental facilities are there because of some demonic oppress oppression that eventually drives them to where they hear voices and those voices they hear are real to where they have they 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 they, they, they get in a deluded state because of demonic oppression and i really do believe i really do believe that it would be possible for people that are in that state to be set free by the power of jesus christ I don't believe it's so powerful that it can't be set free. And I know there's people that have chemical imbalances. I know there are people that are have, have traumatic things happen to their life that they have repressed and it drives them in. I know those things happen, and, and I'm not discounting those things, and I'm not making light of them. 
But I'm just saying that I think, based upon my experience with, with people that I have gone to see in situations, I'm telling you that I think about half the people that end up in a mental facility go there because of demonic oppression that basically just drives them crazy because they can't deal with it. Because we're not designed to deal with it. Is that, are you good with that or am I, am I, cra am I crazy? What, what do you think? Huh? I think a lot of people that, that our, our police officers deal with on the streets are there because they were normal people, but they chose the devil somewhere during the line and the devil began to torment their minds and they, and we call them crazy, but really and truly they're just oppressed of the devil. And if you can get them saved and get them in church, that demonic oppression will leave because the devil and Jesus can't stay in the same house. And if Jesus shows up, the devil's going to go. So I think this demonic oppression is very prevalent in our society. I think, it's, I think we, we need to understand that it is there. But I think you also need to understand that it's not more powerful than you as, as a child of God. When it comes against you, it's of the kingdom of the devil, and you can overcome it through the kingdom of God. And when you encounter it, when you encounter it, there's no reason to be afraid of it. I mean, don't be stupid, but there's no reason to be afraid of it. Stand your ground and plead the blood of Christ against it and watch God deliver them. Watch God set them free. The same thing with demonic possession. People can be possessed of the devil. And it's funny to me that people that are possessed a lot of times end up in churches. Why do they do that? They do that because they want to be free. And they come here wanting us to free them. And whenever the devil gets in church, he freaks out. What are we doing in here? Right? When the demonic came to Jesus, what did he say? Why are you here? Why are you tormenting before the time? Leave us alone. And, and, and when that person wants to be set free, then we have the power through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to pray the prayer of faith and cast that demon out. If they came here, yes, they want to be free, I think. But yeah, I wouldn't just go up the thing. I, I wouldn't go on down to the street and somebody down there talking to themselves and looking up in the ceiling and go down there and say, hey, I'm going to cast that devil out. I wouldn't do that. Because if they don't want it cast out, you, 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 you're putting yourself in harm's way. You may be like the sons of Sceva and find yourself naked and wounded running down the highway in your underwear. <laughs> but if they show up and they want to be set free, we have the power to set them free. If their minds are oppressed, we have the power to set them free. If your mind's oppressed, you have the power to work your way out of that. Don't sit there and waller in that and let it, let it depress you and, and tear you apart and phooey. We, we need to start going till nine. <laughs> I think you find some missionette Royal Ranger teachers will disagree with you. <laughs> They're ready to go. So, um, next week, we'll talk about
two other aspects of, of Satan, the way Satan fights against us. One of them is that he never comes against a person when that, in a, when that person is in a position of strength. He's not going to come at you when you're at your best. And the second one is the kingdom of, of, of the devil never stops probing to try to find that point of weakness. Never stops probing. The greatest thing about heaven is going to be that there's no devil. I don't have to get up every morning and be on guard because of what's going to happen today. So we'll talk about these two things next week. Is, is this okay with y'all? Am I going too slow or am I going too fast? It's okay because sometimes I get worried because we stay on these things forever. I mean, this is the fifth week we're on this and we've made two whole pages of this thing. And we got at least, at least two or three. And then we're going to go into the kingdom of heaven. So another five weeks, it'll be, it'll be Easter before we get off of this. <laughs> but hey, that's a good week to get off of it, so that'll be a good deal. Okay, stand with me. Thank you for being so patient with me. I, I just, I enjoy these Bible studies. This is what I enjoy doing the most, is digging things out of the Word of God. And, uh, and I appreciate you being patient with me while I wallow around sometimes. Yes, ma'am. This Friday night? Oh, thank you. Did everybody hear that? There's a joy fellowship this Friday night here at the church. Huh? All ladies. High school and up. That's Saturday. Women of worth. If you're a woman and you want to hang out with some women. <laughs> Got to be precise here. 11 o'clock, Saturday here. So we have... So we got, we got a women's meeting for all the women Friday night at 6.30. And then if you're a woman of worth, then that's Saturday at 11. Hey, hey, Misty, what's for supper? Anything else that I need to know before we leave out of here? All right. I've had a good time tonight. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for laughter. Thank you for a good time, Lord God. Thank you for your anointing and thank you for your power, Lord. Lead us and guide us, Lord God, and direct us. Cause your kingdom to come and your will to be done, O God. Thank you, Lord God, for repentance tonight, God. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. You said tonight, plead your blood. Plead the blood of Christ against the devil. And God, we thank you, Lord God, that we have that power and that authority, Lord. And we give you praise for tonight. Guard us, keep us, Lord God. Bring us back, Lord God, at the appointed hours, Lord God, to worship your name, Lord God. Bless our women as they meet this weekend, Father. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.